So hi, um, it's Mike Edelhart, and I'm here with another edition of Inception, our podcast about beginnings, the beginnings of companies, the beginnings of careers, new areas of science, technology, and even a little bit of uh, the beginning of the future. And today I'm super delighted to be here with one of my personally favorite CEOs uh, in our, I love all of the CEOs in our portfolio, but uh, Sampar and uh, The Hustle uh, uh, is one that uh, I just really like to hang out with and hang around around, maybe because, you know, journalistic in a sense or... Well, I like all your old stories. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah, we were just talking about that and you know, sort of drinking for dollars when uh, a journalist... Um, and maybe it's because, uh, yeah, when I still had more hair, um, I was kind of a guy with The Hustle. So thanks for being here. It's great to have you. I'm excited. So um, just in case uh, folks that are listening don't know, what's the hustle as a concept and, and what's the hustle as a company? Well, what it is now and what most people know us is a, a daily email. It's almost like a mix of someone. My mom described it as Wall Street Journal meets The Daily Show. So we have about 1.5 million subscribers who get their business news from us each morning. Uh, we're trying to be a lot bigger than just a daily email, but that's what people know us as now. So why an email? Why daily? Uh, when you started this, uh, was that your intention? Was it, if I could do a daily email about business, no. <laughs> so so what'd you start with? And yeah. why'd you wind up with this? And why is it the best approach for now? So my background is a little weird for people who live in San Francisco and work on the internet. Uh, I had a chain of hot dog stands in Nashville, Tennessee. That's what I started in college. The Athens of the South. Yes, it was wonderful. Right near the, the, the Parthenon, I think yeah. they call it, right? Yeah. Um, and I started a chain of hot dog stands called Southern Sam's the wieners as big as a baby's arm. And it was awesome. And it was paying the bills and I, it was making money, but it was really hard to work outside at hundred degree weather all day. And so I decided to start an internet business and I did, and this was an online liquor store and it kind of worked a little bit where it was making money. And I thought this internet thing is way easier than working outside. So I left school, moved to San Francisco, started a roommate matching app which was um, had a small acquisition of 10 months after starting it. And then I had to figure out what to do next. And so I started this event called HustleCon. And HustleCon was basically like a TED Talk, but for entrepreneurs. And I had studied copywriting, like direct marketing copywriting. So like guys like David Ogilvie or Joe Sugarman, basically these folks from the 60s and 70s who were really fantastic copywriters. And I thought that like if, if they can convince, they, they basically they convinced people to do stuff just by a piece of paper they would write like a thousand words and someone would buy an encyclopedia in the mail and i thought that's amazing if they can convince people to do that i'm going to figure out what their techniques were and i did and then i said okay well how do i implement this and email was the most it just seemed like the best thing and so i started hustlecon and in order to make hustlecon popular i created an, an email a newsletter that used these copywriting te techniques and it kind of got lucky i think in that it sold out in like six or seven weeks and it made good money. And I was like, that was weird. I thought, I thought that was going to not work. Um, and so I did it again and it worked. And this time like 650 people came in maybe 80 days and it was quite profitable. And around this time, and this is why I like hearing your stories, is I read Ted Turner. I read his biography. Um, and he, you know, that's the guy who started CNN. And I thought, well, this guy was like from the South and he was kind of an outsider. He didn't really know what he was doing. And he was kind of a loud mouth and that's kind of what I was, maybe still am. Um, he, and he created CNN, and that changed the world. 
I bet I could do that if I'm able to convince these people to attend this conference using the written word. And so that's when we decided to launch The Hustle, which was basically inspired by Ted Turner's beginnings and how do we create an information company, a media company that starts with email because email at the time and still is the most effective medium. And I just kind of fell into that. Got it. So um, hot dogs, roommates. And what's the leap to HustleCon? So why wasn't it RoommateCon or uh, uh, um, you can have a business and not have to stand outside in the sun con? It, you know, it was not thought out other than I read a book and I thought it was cool and I did it. Well, this was even so I did HustleCon even before reading that book. Why did I do it? I just saw an opportunity and I pounced. I didn't think um, there was no plan. I just thought it was neat. Um, I had zero plans. You have a plan now? I have a I think I have a fantastic plan. I, I do this thing that's, I think someone said it was um, strong beliefs loosely held. So I have a vision on what I think is going to happen and I'm committed to it and I'm betting financially on it and I'm betting my reputation on it. That said, if I get new information, I'm going to change course. But right now I do have a plan. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we love that phrase at, at the fund. We, we talk about it a lot. It was originally uh, stated by... Uh, a guy from the Institute of the Future uh, down near Stanford University. And then some of the investors out here, uh, Andreessen oh, cool. and others have picked it up. Yeah, I've heard people say and, it. And I'm like, oh, that's because people at my office are like, man, you change your mind all the time. And I'm like, well, I just get new information. And then they're like, but you're so like dead, like set on that. I'm like, yeah, it's like you either it's it's it is right. Like it's all or nothing. You know what yeah. I mean? But I think that's really important because the reason we talk about it is we actually feel that that's one of the uh, points of view or sets of actions that correlates most strongly with the companies we invest in that do the best because life is more complicated than you think. The world is never as orderly as you wished it would be. So we've never actually seen a startup succeed on the set of ideas they showed us when they walked in the door on the day we met them. Yeah, and stuff they changes. Did the you get yeah. new information and it's just all about adapting. Who adapts the faster? Yeah, exactly. And so I'm curious. So in your case, Where's the information coming from? And if you see that and you're saying to yourself, we got to shift, how do you make sure the whole team shifts with you? And it's not just you sort of out there, um, you know, on the uh, razor's edge. Everybody's looking at you going, what's he doing? I mean, that's a struggle. I struggle with that. But like for us, I think that the way that we're going to build a, a multi-billion dollar company is we're going to we're going to use our our direct relationship with our really large audience to create and launch more products for them that are not just advertising based so the, the companies i look up to are this is again why you and i get along is like softbank hmm. um, companies like that and they started as media companies right or um yes in part yeah, yeah, like a he was PC the, magazine of yeah, Japan. He was the PC magazine of Japan, along with a bunch of other things. A bunch of, a bunch of other things, but it all started with a, a large and loyal audience. Yeah, and in fact, if you wanted a poster child for being a hustler, uh, Masayoshi-san. Yeah, and uh, he's one of my inspirations. He's from nothing. He's great. Yeah, he's great. He came here to Berkeley and, and had a little small hit and just kept on going. Yeah, well, actually, you know, in his, he came here to Berkeley because his parents were undocumented Korean immigrants to Japan and with all the sort of immigration stuff going on here in the U.S., being an undocumented Korean immigrant in Japan is much rougher than swimming across a river to get into this country. He couldn't get a job. He couldn't get into a school. So he had to come over here to go to college. And when he went back from college, he couldn't get a job. So he started working with all the folks from microcomputers over here. 
because that's who would hire him. Yeah, so he's one of the inspirations is, along with Ted Turner. And, and, and so that's what we believe is the future of how to big, build a big media business. Um, a lot of people call us a media company. I would say technically we are now, but that's not what we're trying to become. Um, and the new information that, or the information that we had when we started was like, basically these companies, and it's crazy because it's happening literally this week, these companies like Vice and BuzzFeed, while they're still making three or $600 million a year, wonderful, that's great. But they've built these huge infrastructures of two, three, four thousand people on the back of getting traffic from Facebook. And I'm not, I would not say I'm particularly smart. I would say I'm slightly above average. And even I was like, okay, like, and we saw this in 2015, like clearly this is not a way to build a build a business. We have to have a direct relationship with our audience. We have to be in their inbox every morning. And that's the best way to do that. And so that's why we started with email. Um, and so at the time, people like if we do business as usual, like just as is now, I would I think that will be a 30 or 40 million dollar a year company. We want to be much bigger than that. But email alone can get can get us to there. And a lot of people at the time were like, this email thing is stupid. And now everyone's like a lot of people are like focused on email. But if you can build a an audience of five or ten million people in the back of email, that that I mean, and you're talking to them every day, your audience, your daily audience is bigger than the Wall Street Journal. Right. And so it's pretty amazing. And that's a you know, a billion dollar a year business. It's um, it's one of the reasons why we invested in you. But frankly, there's a reason behind it. So you're it's great what you're saying, and it's great um, listening to you talk about the company, but there's a little bit, oh, shucks, I don't know nothing about doing no email <laughs> here in, in the way you're doing it. Uh, I've met folks from your audience and your community, and they don't just get the hustle. They don't just react to the hustle. They love Yeah, we have a fanatical... It's, so, that's weird. It's and, crazy. And your open <laughs> rates on your emails were, uh, you know, like uh, devotees of a religion or something. Yeah. Yeah. It was like some days we'll get 60% open rate, which uh, it's like well, there was a few times where we had to be like, is the tracking right? Like, is there something? Is there an error in our tracking? Like, is so something might be broken. Right. So they're so high. So there are hustlers. There are entrepreneurs listening to us going did he just say 60% open rates? How the hell did he do that? So how the hell did you do that? How do you inspire or uh, dig out mechanisms that cause a group of people to react to what you're offering them that intensely? Well, um, like it was definitely luck is one part of it. We, we got lucky in our timing and it just the stuff that, you know, me and my co-founder, John, I mean, at first it was just me in my kitchen writing the stuff that we wrote about. Um, it was stuff that uh, we just cared about. So it was stuff that that I thought was interesting. And we got lucky in that other people cared about that. We also, another way we had high open rates is I stole a lot of the ideas from those copywriters that I read about in the 60s and 70s. I just took their techniques. I'm like, well, that works on there. It will totally work on here. So just took their ideas. Um, we also had built a lot of really cool technology that, that I didn't think you'd ever need, but you do need when you're sending... Um, you know, 50 million emails a month. Like you actually need technology to make you do that. And Give not... me an example of that. And how did you know you needed that? And where'd you get it from? Because you're a hot dog stand guy and a copywriter. Guy. Well, we have a develop, you know, we have a full-time dev team and they're, they're wizards. They build stuff. That's, I mean, we have a, up until recently, we only had one developer. Now we have two and we have built, we call it our CMS, but in reality, it's way more than that. And so basically 
if you're the HuffPo or BuzzFeed, um, you've built your own technology. You don't use WordPress. You build your own technology that hosts content and shows users relevant content. We did the same thing for email. And so in the same way, BuzzFeed has probably optimized to like Google gives you all these rules that says like, all right, if you do this, this and this, you'll probably rank high. It's not a guarantee, but it's like a probable a probability. Um, we've done that with email. So we know where all the best practices is for de deliverability. And our guys have built this amazing technology to make that to make that happen. Um, we also uh, all of our writers live in our CMS, this, this tech that we've built. Um, that wasn't my idea. Someone came up with an idea at our company that says, OK, like if we're going to build this to as big as we want to build it, like using MailChimp or whatever, that's not going to work. And we, and we knew that early on, like inside three months of starting the company and so we just said let's just build our own thing and so um we have this amazing technology we've even synced it to our bank and so basically the way it works is our readers or our, our writers live in this technology each day um and that's where they write their content our salespeople, we've hooked it up so we know in six months how many subscribers we're going to have our salespeople will sell against that and then we uh, we can we can we can create the native ad in our CMS. We send it to the advertisers to approve. Once they approve it, the bank knows that we have an invoice and we're able to get paid on that accounts receivable. Hmm. So like this system we built, it's for sending email, it's for getting paid, it's for talking to clients. And at this point, we've had uh, like six or seven hundred advertisers. And so it's all been through this system. And so this technology that we built has made it way easy. Way easy, much easier to get high open rates and run our business. So, got it. That's amazing, and I can see why um, um, you can use that to sort of create feedback loops and all that, and really know everything that's going on. It's awesome. It's fantastic. So, is advertising it? Is advertising the way you make money, or is advertising no. one of the ways you make money now? Is it tactical? And if 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 advertising isn't it, what is it? How does this company get really big and valuable? Over yeah. Time? So. Um, our three-year anniversary is coming up on April 19th. Congratulations. Yes. Um, advertising as alone has made us close to um, eight figures in revenue, which is great. Um, I believe that the future and how we start making hundreds of millions and eventually a billion dollars a year is through uh, consumers and brands paying us for information. And so one thing that we're launching is a paid subscription product. Like the Wall Street Journal makes um, roughly $600 million a year from information that consumers are paying for barons still i believe makes about 100 million they have 500,000 subscribers at um what do they charge i think 300 dollars a year um so there's still big subscription businesses out there and i think those are going to get even more popular and so for us the way we're going to get big is if we get two percent of uh five million free subscribers to pay 300 dollars a year for information that's a interesting business Additionally, we have roughly 800 advertisers who we've worked with directly, and they all have similar problems of trying to reach a particular type of audience. I believe there's room for us to create a subscription enterprise product for them as well that includes information. Got it. So is the hustler a man? Is the hustler a person? Is the hustler uh, a uh, sensibility regardless of sort of uh, 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 gender or any of those kinds of yeah, things? Yeah, well, when we first launched... It was just me writing and I was a very, I got called a bro a lot. And so I was a very quote bro-y guy. And the majority of our readers, 90% were men. We said, that's kind of silly because like purely from a business goal, business perspective, like, well, that's 
only half of the world. Yeah. Like, let's let's go bigger. And so we purposely have hired certain people where it, now our gender divide or our gender ratio is 60-40. So it's men and women now. But a hustler is, for us, is just someone who wants to put their dent in the world and they do it through their professional lives. Um, it's people who don't have work-life balance, but their career is their, is their it's, like, it's more like a vocation. Um, it's people who are ambitious, people who want to um, leave a legacy. Um, and that's, that's, I think, agnostic of gender and it's agnostic of age and location. So in your mind, is um, a hustler a breed of entrepreneur? Is a hustler the next species that once was an no. entrepreneur? Uh, no, these people have been around forever. I think I define a hustler that, of someone who sets ambitious goals and gets really close to achieving them. And I think that those people have always existed. Yeah, um, really close to achieving them as opposed to well, pulling through them? Or? Well, I think that uh, if you do the right, if you if you set your goals um, effectively, they should be just out of reach at all times. So um, so people who just take action and are able to in, in, in turn ideas into realities. That doesn't just mean starting a company. It could be quitting your job and becoming an artist and making a living doing that. Um, but I think that now the barrier to entry to do these wild and wacky things that like maybe my parents weren't able to do because they were told they got to go work. Um, it's actually a reality now for tens of millions of Americans. And I think a lot of those people fall into this hustler hustling category. So what about you? So if work-life balance is beside the point because it's all about doing what you have to do to leave a legacy, any work-life balance for you? Yes, but my work is my life. Like, I did this before it made money because I thought it was fun. You know, like I had a personal blog. I was always blogging. I was always telling stories. Um, when I have friends around, I love just to talk business. I like so so. I don't have normal work life balance in that. Like my hobby is this. This is my hobby, and so I take days off. Like on a Saturday and Sunday, I like to focus on exercise and focus on being with my family. But I think about it probably most every waking hour. Like, I just like to like, like I was talking to Colin, um, we were like, the, I just like in my free time on a Sunday, just create a little web page just to see like, how would a product like this look like? And it was had nothing to do with my current business, but that's just like my hobby, you know, like I just love doing that stuff. It's just interesting to me to try to build products that customers like. And I got to say, same for me, people ask me sometimes, because, you know, I'm older than you by a generation, maybe two. And you know, what are you still doing this for? I mean, you're an old guy, you got grandkids, relax. And, uh, and for me as an individual, I get to get up every morning and spend my day hanging out with people like you, extraordinary young people uh, uh, determined to have a hand in creating the future. And I can't think of any other more interesting way to spend the day. What am I supposed to do? Golf? As yeah, it's fun. This, or? Like I, like I, as of recently, once we got out of like the survival mode and it, and our business became like, okay, how big is this going to get? My, my, my view towards business got more philosophical where it's like, I'm not in like the making money game. I'm in the turning ideas into reality game. And once you realize that like that's possible, it becomes far more addicting and it becomes like, why would I ever want to spend my time doing anything else? So like, I just like just talking about this stuff. It, it's just really exciting for me. So you had a business right from the get go that was making money. Yeah, and our, our first conference in the first six weeks, we made roughly 60 grand in profit. Um, and that was unexpected. The second time, it made about 225,000. So, since you had a business you understood, uh, you had your hand on the fundamentals, it's making money. 
I I kind of had my hand on them. I learned I've learned along the way. Why venture? Why not just grow it uh, organically? Grow it uh, uh, without bringing in uh, uh, outside folks like us. We are delighted to be here and hope that we're helpful. But also venture is another voice at the table and a particular kind of voice. Well, we haven't we haven't like gone all in on that. So we've raised a million dollars in funding. You guys are like the only venture. And when I, I tell people typically, like we don't really have a lot of venture because I mean, that's the truth, but like we did very little. Um, um, and at first I think it was just cause I didn't know how to, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but second of all, like, I think that in order to get to where I want to go in life, I could do it on my own and just take a couple of decades to do it, which I'll probably be doing this for a couple of decades anyway. But like even taking a relatively, like it costs a million dollars in San Francisco just to start a restaurant. It's like, you need money, particularly when I started the company, I was 24, you need money to start something. Do you know what I mean? If you don't come from. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Like, you, so it was like, look, like we can just like put our heads down and, and just grind this out. Or we can just go ahead and skip about four or five years of pain. And, and, and make this happen because we feel really confident this is going to work. Yeah, I do. So uh, I live in San Francisco. We're here in uh, uh, office in my house now. And one of my daughters just came back, was living overseas and moved to Rochester, New York, and just bought a house having come back from overseas. And it's a beautiful house on a great lot with a garage in the back and dormer rooms upstairs and double rooms downstairs for her kids. And the whole thing was one hundred eighty nine thousand. That's awesome. My, my I'm from Missouri. My brother just bought a big old fat house for 120. Yeah, and and you could barely buy the stairs going up to my front door in this town. A hundred right? grand would not be the down payment on a yeah. house. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, a challenge here. Yeah, it's crazy, man. I I think that the future is definitely outside of San Francisco. Maybe. I mean, I I I think that a lot. I don't have the answer, but I think that a lot. So you mentioned a minute ago, so to become who I wanted to become in life. What is that? Well, um, I like to read a lot of biographies and I love folks like Ted Turner. I like Sam Walton. I like John Rockefeller. I like Joseph Kennedy. I like um, a lot of these people who have large families and they're able to provide for not just their immediate family, but their grandkids. Um, I like people who are able to have thousands of employees so those employees can try to live the life they want to live. Um, and so when I first started the company, I had like three or four rules that I wanted to do. And it was like em employ 10,000 people or create 10,000 jobs. It was spend time that I want to spend time with people I want to be around. It was spend my time each day on things I actually wanted to work on. Um, and it was um, how do I just create opportunity for my family and people who are part of my extended family, which includes friends and close employees. And so that's who I wanted to be. It just I wanted to be able to get there a little bit faster. Got it. So. It's uh, the middle of the night. You're sleeping and a thought suddenly comes into your head unbidden that's so golden, so full of promise, so extraordinary that you can't not think about it and you have to get up and do something about it right now. For you, what's that thought? It changes all the time. Right now, it's about, for my business, it's hiring. So like, there's a skills gap. I imagine it's for my industry, but I, I imagine it's for anyone who's trying to make a living on the internet. There's a huge skills gap. So right now it's how do you find and train great people? That's all. That's really what I've been like, it literally keeps me up at night is how do we like, 
man, why don't these people like we'll go. We, we literally had 300 people apply at our company on Friday and we go through and I talk to a ton of them and I'm like, why doesn't this person get it? Like they could, but they just, they just don't, they don't understand. And, and, um, so I'm like, I'm, I stay up at night worrying about training and hiring. Cause I think that's most things aren't going to make or break a business. That is, is the collection of people. And so I'm, I obsess over that right now is how do we find that? Like, do you get like, do you find like a bunch of 21 year old recent college grads and get like 15 of them and create like a, like a, like a freshman class and just like bet that in two years, they're going to be good. But then it's like, we're, we're a small, I mean, we're a small business. Like we need people who are talented now. So it's like, how do I do that? It's just like, do you recruit people who are senior executives at big companies and then you get them and they like can't adapt to like a small business so I'm just like, I can't stop thinking about recruiting and how to find talented people and get them to work on, get them to work in a way that I think we need them to work. On. Got it. And uh, uh, we have total confidence in you. We love you. I asked this question a few weeks ago to somebody. And, and when I did the, the CEO, I was talking to Blanche because he's like, well, do you know something that I don't know? Uh, so, uh, but it's not that kind of question. It's just a theoretical question because in most cases, the founding CEO isn't the ultimate CEO. In most cases, I think the company the hits a point where you have to paint yourself into a corner. If you're grown up, you recognize you have painted yourself into a corner and it's time to go. Any of those thoughts for you? Because you started this when you were really young and the you you may be when you're 45 is a very different. Yeah, well, I would say, I mean, I'm, I think I'm still kind of young. <laughs> I'm 29. I started working on this as a project when I was 24, but it became a company three years ago. Um, I think that the the I think that the skill to start something is not the same as running something. That's for sure. To start something, it's a lot of art. It's shooting from the hip, and it just doesn't make sense to most people how to turn ambiguity into reality. To run something, you have to have process and organization. I think that maybe that will, like the scaling phase, might start at twenty five. I mean, we're scaling now. We're like doubling, tripling rev revenue. But like maybe after like twenty million in revenue like it might become where it's like, all right, just do more of the same. And that might be require a more process oriented person. Right now I've done a really good job of, I have a COO who um, is double my age and significantly wiser. And he's taken a couple companies public. I also have a, my head of sales, Adam, who's very process and detailed oriented. And so it, it allows me to be kind of wild and like come up with new ideas. So I'm, I'm good there now, but I do think eventually I'll have to fire myself um and take like a lower role and have someone who can do a little bit better job organizing i i don't know why people don't do that more like i think it's like ego a, it's, it's an it's, ego yeah. it's but hard to tell yourself the truth you know it's, it's i would say like frankly i care more about winning <laughs> than i do of like my ego like i i just want to win i guess i'm more competitive you could call it greedy i just want to like succeed more than i want my ego to win you know, so I don't mind if like, yeah, you can make this work. Go for it. I just I just think I still have a lot left in me. Sounds good. I think that may be as positive and hustler oriented a note to end on as anything. So uh, great to talk to you. Always great to talk to you here. Thanks very much for coming in. And uh, uh, hustlers out there listening. Um, this is your guy. Mm -hmm.